Hello, and welcome to the Bliss Smith Podcast. My name is Katie Smith, and here you will learn ways to find, forge, and follow your bliss by hearing stories from people like you on overcoming obstacles, diving deeply into passion, investing in yourselves and others, and uniting in gratitude to celebrate every last joy. I can't wait for you to listen. We're recording. Great. Hi, welcome. Thank you. This has been a long time in the making. A little bit too long. I'm very excited. I'm really nervous, but here we go. Oh my gosh, don't <laughs> worry. Mama here, mama here. Ooh. I'm so excited. I got you a little liquid liquid courage. Apparently the liquid's working. Yeah, that liquid courage. <laughs> Just like drooled liquid courage. <laughs> um, yeah. We're doing be. great, everyone. So far, so good. Can we set the scene, though? Because there's like a beautiful candle, some mm-hmm. lovely tulips. Yes. A mirror, which is facing you. I yeah. Think that's a little bit, you know. I'm looking at myself. <laughs> Actually, I don't like that. Okay. <laughs> and we're pivoting away. Pivot. Pivot. Um, yes, this, the scene is not bad. I will say that. Um, okay. Who are you? My name is Justin Gonzalez. Hi. I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's tell the good people of the Blissmith podcast who you are. Uh, yeah. My name's Justin Gonzalez. Uh, I live in San Francisco, California, where I have resided for almost Oh my gosh, can I do math? 14 years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I almost aged myself in yeah. saying that. Since you were two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I moved out here, like literally graduated high school and I was like, I gotta go. Yep. Um, figured it out. Uh, I work in tech. Um, I lead a team of content writers. Writing has always been a passion of mine. Um, I suppose I thought early on in my life that I was going to be an actor uh, I guess in a lot of ways I still am. Yeah. <laughs> Putting on a good face. At minimum, an entertainer. Yes. Yes. A, an entertainer is, is a good one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is, am I, I missing anything? No. <laughs> well, we're going to get into a lot more about you, I think. Um, so I feel good so far, so good. Um, great. Well, I, today, so there are so many things that I think that you are fantastic to talk about. So we're going to start with a couple, and they might go into all of them. Who knows? We're just going to see what happens. Watch out, world. Um, but we're going to start with the idea of being your authentic self. Okay. And I think why this was important to me is, so I've known you for um, like six years, and... Um, a, a little story for everyone. So recently, this this last summer, I went to your home for a pride party. And first of all, your home is amazing. Him and his boyfriend are plant fanatics. And is that the right way to describe that? Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's Enthusiasts? fair. Enthusiasts? We have um, probably over 150 plants in our home. And then we have a garden and a deck. A giant garden and a deck. So like that deck. doesn't, yeah. That 150 number is just like what's potted inside of our home. Yeah. And it's pretty great. Thank it's you. a beautiful jungle. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's really great. So I'm over there and now everyone knows that I'm just like surrounded in greenery. And um, I remember there was someone I wanted to invite um, to the party that you didn't know, but, um, it was, a it was a gay friend of mine 
And I just remember thinking like, and they were sort of on the younger side. And I remember thinking like, I need them to know Justin and how he celebrates pride. (laughs) Um, And it was because of your, your confidence in who you were. And if I may be able to paint the picture even more, um, Justin had like three outfit changes during um, maybe like a three hour period. Yeah, I mean, I I think three is probably conservative. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I was rounding down. Yeah, it it depends on what you consider an outfit change because like you know the shoes and then the accessories and then there there's a lot that goes into the outfit. Yeah, uh, why don't we get like a description of one of the looks? Oh gosh, I mean, I think. One of the best things I wore that day was uh, my caftan. Well, I mean, that was a pretty good look. I, <laughs> yes. I even, yeah. Oh, God. There were so many. I think I started the day in like a Hawaiian shirt. Um, and it was like, it, it was actually a women's shirt from Urban Outfitters, which like pro tip guys, lots of great stuff there for super, super cheap. It will fit you. But <laughs> buttons are going to be weird, but you'll you'll power through. Um, and then I think I was wearing shorts. Um, gosh, now I like want to look back at pictures. I had some like insane sunglasses on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just, yeah, like every few, <laughs> like every 30 minutes you turn around and Justin's in a new outfit and it was just, it was, it was beautiful. It was art. That's sweet. Yes. One was like a very like, didn't you have like. Not a muumuu, because I associate muumuu with, like, frumpy. But, like, mm-hmm. you had, like, a flowing animal print. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I think it was marketed as a kimono, but I, I think that was a little bit of, like, an appropriation of a kimono. <laughs> um, but it, it was pretty fabulous. It was, like, knee length, uh, black with, like, gold accents, floral patterns. Yeah. Um, we were, yeah. we were all just... I was feeling it. it. Yeah, and we were feeling you. And I just, I I love that because I, it it was just really clear just how, like, happy you were to be in your own skin and how, like, you wanted to share exactly who you were and exactly what you felt like in the moment with your people. And I I just remember thinking, like, one, the person I was trying to bring was like, wow, that would be so... um, helpful to them at their stage in their life to see someone who just owned who they were. And I also just like for anyone, regardless of who you are to, to be around that confidence, it makes you make sure, Oh, am I, am I being that confident? Like I want to, I want to rock a muumuu, <laughs> a fan, a kimono, a kimono, whatever, you know, a kimono, no, 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 no. Oh, I like that. Well, are we going to get in trouble? Trademark. <laughs> Maybe we might. I don't know. I um I uh, said the f word uh the last podcast. No, I've said it a few times. We could say it. We could say fuck. Oh, thank God. Yeah. No, I imagine that's gonna come out later. Yeah, I meant to ask earlier because like it's gonna come out. It's going to, and I really welcome it. Fabulous. Yeah. Yes. Um. <laughs> so anyway, all that to say, um. I, for one, admire you for being your authentic self. And I want to talk a little bit about the journey to getting there because you've shared with me that it wasn't just like you woke up like this, first Beyonce reference of the night. Yeah. Um, For those of you drinking at home, this is a good game to play. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. It really is. 
How oh. many Beyonce references yes. happen in this short period of time? People are going to get very turnt from this yeah. podcast. Maybe drink water. Just drinking game with water because it's going to get very Beyonce heavy. Are you ready for this jelly? Oh, number two. Here we drink. go. Drink. Oh, thank you so much for turning this into a drinking game. Yeah. Um, Anytime. Yes. So... Yes, you didn't wake up like this. You, it's been a journey to like become your authentic self. So I would love for you to just talk a little bit about that um, from when you were younger and um, a little bit about your heritage and who you were at the time and and what you didn't, did or didn't know about yourself. Yeah, um, getting to this point, like, I, and I definitely still feel like I'm on a journey. So it's, it's really flattering uh, to hear you say how you, see I exude confidence in all of these things because I often feel like it's it's not fully there or fully developed but um it it really did start when I was young um so I came out when I was 15 years old and prior to that there was a lot of just internal dialogue and discovery and exploration and I think that like I happened to grow up at an interesting time in the world of the internet where you could enter these chat rooms with probably really weird people. <laughs> uh, but you could ask these questions and you can get answers and you could like meet other people like you. And and um, that was just like a, a part of, I think, the, the discovery of myself. And there was simultaneously this element at that time as well. And, and it wasn't to say that like my family was saying this or that even my friends or the people that I was around were saying this, but I always remember feeling like there was no way that I could be this thing that like, there was no way that like I could be gay because being gay is bad. And, uh, you know, if I'm gay, then I'm disgracing my family. And, you know, all of these sort of, uh, contentious messages that you get from, I think like, you know, some not so great media sites. (laughs) Um, but ultimately I, I kind of realized and through going to therapy at the time and, and really just processing all of this information again at a really young age, coming out at 15 was a monumentous thing. And I, it's, I'm so thankful and lucky to have had the family that I have and to have the family that I have, um, because they welcomed me with open arms and, uh, for the most part. And, and we'll talk about, I think some of this as well, you know, my mom, uh, scheduled, a conversation for me with my grandparents, I think like the same day. And then, you know, like it, it just like, I told my mom and then the ball like spiraled, uh, into this like insanely amazing and positive experience. Um, and then I told my dad, uh, and my dad, I think like responded in the best way that he knew how in the moment. Um, and it, I don't fault him for it. I, I think that he just like genuinely didn't know. Um, but it, ultimately prevented me from coming out to the rest of uh, his side of the family, which uh, that's the Latino side. And so there was a whole other element of the machismo and how do you, you know, navigate all of this and how do I respect my father and how do I get to this point with my father? And we also did a lot of therapy and conversations and um, ultimately it, it, it really impacted my relationship with him at that formative stage in my life and there were many things that he still showed up for and that he still participated in and even though I I chose to kind of pull away from him and in, in, in our relationship um, we were able to kind of navigate it in the best way and and keep appearances but ultimately it just meant that like through the rest of high school through most of college I 
kind of avoided conversations with my dad's family until finally one year I came to him and said, by the way, I'm writing every single aunt and uncle a note. They will all know at Christmas. And like, you can either get on board with this or not, but like, this is happening. I can't hide this from people anymore. Right. They, they're asking me about my girlfriends in college. And, you know, I, I meanwhile, I had like two boyfriends and like hooked up with a lot of dudes. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you're, you're navigating a lot of this stuff and trying to play by the rules with your parents, but at the same time, like holding yourself back as a sacrifice. Where do you think, so I, I remember me in college and I um, certainly had my own challenges, but I can't even imagine being, I would use the word brave enough to drive that conversation with your parent. So where do you think you channeled that like, hey dad, here's how it's going to go with a extremely important topic? I wish I had like, a single answer to that question because it it was likely an amalgamation of like so many different things happening at that time in my life. Um, I was exploring the world of drag and I I was, you know, testing out being a drag performer and I was like 18 and 19 and 20 and like I was not looking cute, but like I could shake my ass and I could, (laughs) you know, hit those Beyonce lyrics. Confirmed um, he can shake his ass and he does great with Beyonce lyrics. Just yeah. wanted to make sure that everyone knew that that's real. But also like title drop, I won Miss Sasha Fierce. No big deal. At the end up, which like, you know, people in San Francisco will know yeah. how high of a caliber that That's pretty amazing. Miss Sasha Fierce. <laughs> we probably will need to dig into that further. I have pictures. Um, but I, I think like the world of drag really helped me kind of explore that and and develop that level of confidence at the same time the friends that I was connecting with and the people I was connecting with uh through the city and um I had a fake ID uh so I was meeting a lot of older people and and learning about their stories and you know one of my favorite people actually was a bouncer at the mix and his name was John John if you're listening love you miss you um, we got to get John as a listener he was very I can already sweet. tell Um, he was just this like sweet older man and, you know, uh, there would be days where I would just pop into the mix and have a beer and like sit, stand at the door and just like chat with him about like his life and his past and what has he done. And, you know, you growing up, I guess I didn't grow up in San Francisco, but in a lot of ways I did. Um, you meet these incredible people and if you just dig into their own stories, you learn about how much you can apply that to your own life. And so at some point I just said... Dad, it's Christmas. Um, I came out to you several years ago. I've given you this much time to sort of come to terms with it and develop our relationship. And like, to be completely fair, like we tried. We like we both really, really tried in our own way um, to get there. And and we just really struggled through a lot of it. And so I said, I'm writing everyone letters, and they're all going to get them. Um, and this is what I'm doing. And I did it. Wow. That's on like that's honestly incredible because again like I look at you were probably what like 20, 22? yeah and like the the confidence or the the ability to just say this this stops today and like I'm gonna actually adult for you parent um, is like pretty incredible yeah it was I I should also add like my auntie Gloria she'll I hope she listens to this because she had a heavy hand in a lot of this. Um, she really was also like there holding me to the edge and like saying, I'm going to push you. 
I'm gonna mm-hmm. push you. I'm gonna yeah. push you. Um, and it was um, it was at a time I, you you mentioned my age, and it reminded me of this, which uh, my abuelita passed away when I was 20 years old, and she was a person that I never got to tell. Um, whew, okay. Oh, yes, <laughs> I am here for it. Um, so. Coming out to my dad uh, was obviously a very different experience than my mom. And so my my grandmother was just someone, my abuelita was someone that I was never able to tell um, myself. And I remember having conversations with my Auntie Gloria about that experience and just how I felt in a lot of ways that it was taken away from me. Oh, I love you. Um, <laughs> and so I... I with her help and with her support and with her encouragement said, I'm I'm not going to let that be the case with anyone else. I'm going to be who I am. And, and if people can accept that, if people have a challenge accepting that, then I don't need them in my life anyway. Um, and so I wrote these letters and it felt like a really brave act to, to at least like put pen to paper. And then, you know, I still had some kind of an out cause I didn't have to like give it to them, but I did. Uh, and then immediately they all just came up to me and and were like we love you i love you this changes nothing like you are still justin in my eyes like this is you know if anything i love you more and there were people of course that i was nervous about right like my my godfather and my uncle and um of course the two of them welcomed me with open arms and just again we have this like really intense conversation and so um i think in in some ways it it took something really tragic to get to that point, but um, it also took the help and the support of other people to really like push me towards this uh, cliff and say jump. Yeah, Tia Gloria, right? Yeah, my auntie Gloria. Um, she sounds like a queen. She's rad. She's super just, rad. Like, so much, like just knew her role in in helping you, which is incredible. And I think that happens a lot, you know, um, tragedy and. Um, trauma kind of pushes you to say like, okay, carpe diem, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's unfortunate that, you know, thinking about your abuelita, um, you know, made you have to do it, but it's wonderful that it did push you like that. There was a a beautiful result from it. So we're saying abuelita and, and tia, which means that you are um, a Latino. And I would love to dig into that because I think what's so interesting and beautiful about you is in parallel to being, uh, to, to going on this journey with coming out, you also were going through the journey of exploring your Mexican side. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I'd love to hear just um, some of the things with that because um, I, I've talked to other people before that, and I... Uh, I am so fascinated by, I don't even know if that's the right word, but it's just so interesting and beautiful how um, many challenges come with just being different um, to others or having a a mix of heritage that you can't really identify just one way. Um, So I'd love to hear you describe that journey as well. Absolutely. So I'm half Mexican and half Portuguese. Um, and it, it, it was always this interesting thing. I, I, you know, looking back on it, it was like, 
as a kid, I think the the Mexican side was very different, and um, the Portuguese side, you know, we we had a lot of fun as a family, um, and at the same time, like when you're when you're really young, I, like I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I lived such a Mexican American life. Um, you know, I grew up in Santa Clara, which is predominantly middle class and predominantly white. At least in my experience, that's what it felt like, and there was never any exposure or I, I didn't ever feel like I had people saying like being Mexican is bad or, you know, being biracial isn't terrible. Like, absolutely not. Like this is, you know, we're still in the Bay area of California. Um, but as I got older and I think, you know, the, what happened with my dad as I came out, I really started to reject the Mexican side and, and I, I didn't want people to see me as Mexican. And in fact, I actually think that when I applied for colleges, even I didn't even apply as Hispanic. I applied as white or other. Um, mm. And I think there's this concept of other, which you touched on a little bit, which is like, as a Mexican and Portuguese person, as someone who's biracial, when I go to fill out a box or fill out a form, my box doesn't exist. Right. Right. Like I, I literally have to mark other because that's how I identify. I don't identify as any of these other things. And so then I, I have to like explain myself and then I'm thinking like why am I other um if I'm not any of these other things Mm -hmm. um and then like what does that make me if not less than a human uh and so I I really started to struggle with that side of my identity at the same time as I'm discovering and exploring the queer side of my identity and like what that means to me um and then not to mention my relationship with my father obviously adds a whole other layer of complexity because I want nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't be my full authentic self in front of his family. They're asking me about women and I'm hooking up with dudes. <laughs> um, and so, it, you know, you, you start Humble to just kind brag. of... Humble <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> oh. um, but, but there's this element of like really forgetting about the the Mexican and the, the Latino side of... of my identity um as i'm starting to really press on and push and develop and explore and experiment and like try all of these like weird and crazy things um on the queer side and and um it wasn't until i got older uh, and i had graduated college and um started feeling like i was disconnected from that side of my family and um, again, going back to my, my grandmother's passing, I realized I didn't know the stories of my aunts and my uncles and, you know, what was it like for them to grow up or, uh, how did my grandparents meet? Like the, these little things that are so important to, to actually form someone's identity. Um, what was my dad like when he was a kid? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I know because of what my aunts and uncles have told me, but like at that period, it was like, my dad was this figure um that I was choosing to not exist in my life um and it wasn't until I started sitting down with my aunts or my tias and asking them questions and hearing the stories and um you know how my grandparents met and that my grandfather was a little bit of a swooner and you know this this, and that and he could have had any of the women and like who knows how much of that is true um and and just really starting to to realize like okay I've started to understand and accept the the queer side of my identity. Um, but there's this whole other aspect, which is 
the the heritage and where do I come from and who are the people who made me um, and who are the people before them, you know, and, and where do we all sort of start? And so I started really pressing on that and exploring it. And um, I shouldn't say that it was just on the, the Mexican side. I, I did a whole trip through Portugal one summer where I actually got to go to um, the islands that my grand that my Vavon Vavar from in Terceira and actually like meet my Vava's best friend and like go to the house that she grew up in in this tiny tiny little island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean um, and just like experience that as well and and um, I regret not doing any of that sooner but I think I needed to wrestle with one side of myself before I could wrestle with my whole self right it becomes overwhelming I think I use that word a lot in my own life is feeling overwhelmed and I think that with any one thing you're like I have to it's very linear like I have to tackle one thing before I can tackle another and it's it's such a it's a bummer because like I I said tackle but like these are just amazing things about you but in in some in some way you had to like learn and know each of them individually before like moving on to the other yep and like, who knows what's next, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to discover some whole other thing that I never yes. thought about. Yeah. And um, you said, uh, I'm or I'm going to quote you. You're already very quotable. Oh, gosh. Um, earlier, you said, part of learning is trying different things. And um, so I want to talk about, like, the different things that you tried. But, like, <laughs> I think <laughs> um, I will definitely bring, bring some of those up. But I think it's... It, it's just like an ongoing, we're like ongoing students and you even acknowledge like I, um, you know, thank you Katie for saying that. And I'm still learning who I am and what my authentic self is. And I hope, I hope we all are, you know, I I remember turning 30 and being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been continuing to learn so many things. Like, does it ever end? And my answer now is like, I hope not, you know, like, I hope it's just like, infinite yeah like discoveries little nuggets quick like plug i once interviewed for this company it was like a five-hour interview process it was absolutely terrible didn't end up getting the job didn't end up taking the job wouldn't have wanted it they for like an hour and a half i met with the ceo and he interviewed me about basically like he asked the same three questions starting from like junior high school what did you like about it what didn't you like about it what would you do different about like every single life experience And then at the end of it, he said, do you want to know the purpose of this uh, questionnaire? And I said, of course. And he said, "Um, we believe that who you are when you are young doesn't change. That the the person you are, the, the, the problems you have, the things that annoy you when you are at that age don't ever change. And at the time, I, I like didn't really think anything of it. You know, like you're in an interview, and so you're kind of just like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. totally, I get it. <laughs> and then afterwards, you're I, right. I want this job. <laughs> yeah, they need lots of money. <laughs> and then afterwards, I like got home and I was reflecting on the interview, and I was like, wait a second, he thinks people don't grow. Yeah. What? That's such a bummer. And that's when you were like, no, I definitely don't want to work. Yeah. Here. And then I got an amazing job. Yeah. <laughs> Elsewhere. Bye. Oh. That's so interesting. That's not, um, yeah, I, you know, it's like the whole, if you don't grow, you die. Like, like that's what? the whole yeah. point. 
Um, but being open to grow and to open to learning about yourself. Cause one of the scariest things for me is like learning something not cute and being like, Oh, that's, that actually is part of me. Yep. And it's like accepting it and embracing it. And you had mentioned, um, being, you know, un- unapologetic about it. Um, so like in, in what ways do you feel like you practice being, um, unapologetic about who you are? Yeah. I mean, you know, you kind of talked a little bit about like the costume changes and things like that. Like if, if I want to do something extravagant and like wild and ridiculous, like I'm going to do it. Um, and hopefully people find it entertaining or at least like one person, um, or at least like someone finds the value or the goal of what I was trying to accomplish in this thing. Um, I, I think the, the biggest thing to me is like where I am unapologetic are the, the ways in which I spend my time and the people with whom I spend that time with. Um, it isn't to say that like any one person is more important than me or if I don't see someone for a period of time that they are not important to my life. It just means that I have other things going on and maybe I, in that moment I don't want to do that thing. Um, and and so really what, what I've come to realize and learn about myself is that if I don't want to go to that party or if I don't want to go to that bar or if I don't want to like go to that thing that this person is putting on um, because they have this like whatever, I'm not going to go. And and the reality is like, I probably shouldn't because if I go, I'm probably going to be miserable and like, I'm probably not going to be my best self. And I'm probably just going to be thinking about like, how soon can I get home and smoke a bowl? Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, that's legit. So really what I, what I've come to realize is that like, it's so important to do the things that I want to do when I want to do them spend time with the people that I want to spend time with and the people that I want to prioritize because maybe they're prioritizing me or, you know, what have you. Um, but also remembering and recognizing that like your cup is only so full and, and you, you kind of need other people to fill that and you need to fill other people's cups. Um, and so there are times where like, you know, your friend lost their job or someone's going through a bad breakup or, uh, a family member is having a, an issue and and you kind of need to show up in those moments. And, and in those moments, showing up is so impactful and, and so meaningful um, because you are able to bring your full self, because you're able to like say, you know what, like I am here because I want to be here because this thing is important to me, because this thing is important to you. Um, and and so I've I've kind of just realized as I've gotten older and maybe I'm just more comfortable in my relationship and like, I like my plants and I love my cat and like, I just, (laughs) you know, want to stay at home most nights. But like, I, I just realized more and more that the time I have is finite. Um, I want to do the things that make me happy. Um, I talk a lot with my team about living your best life, L Y B L, uh, (laughs) live your best life. And just, um, you know, if you're not doing any of that, then like, you're not doing anything. Right. It's like, um, which I never knew what it actually meant until I experienced it, especially at work, but like jack of all trades, master of none. Meaning like if you do a lot of things at half ass or low energy, you are going to be so depleted and, and not excel at any one thing. But if you master a few things, i.e. great relationships, taking care of your plants, <laughs> all of the things um, in your in your world of favorite things, um, then 
yeah, you're not going to be good at any of them um, and, and not feel like fulfilled. And I, I had this image come into my head when you were talking about like, you know, like staying home or picking your things that you do. And I feel like it's like you're sitting, you're recharging your batteries. You're exactly. like sitting in your like battery charging dock and just like ready to go for for the next time that you know that it's like really important either for you or or someone you care about yeah and i would even say like um when i was younger and again going through the process of discovering and learning about myself um there was a year where i lived in the castro and it was the year that i had turned 21 and so it was particularly crazy but i had like several different friend groups and each friend group liked to go out on a different night of the week because of course, every night in the week is themed in the Castro. And so every <laughs> night appeals to some other different type of person. And I remember doing that and 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 doing yep. that and developing like all of these really fragile relationships that were both fragile and shallow. And like there, there was nothing supporting any of it. It was all friendships of convenience and um, just, you know, I had a house in the Castro and, uh, we were all going to go out and have fun and this person was going to buy drinks and, you know, da, 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 Um, and I, I think like looking back on that period of my life as well, I'm kind of like, oh, I, I think what I was discovering is exactly what I'm experiencing now, which is to say, I, I don't need hundreds of friends. I, I need like 10 really good ones, people mm-hmm. that I can like count on to be there and, and that can count on me to be there when things get really bad. Um, or when things are really great, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes we talk about it in like the really negative, but it's important to remember that like, you also want friends and relationships that are lifting you up at the same time. Absolutely. Um, and, and so I think I've also just like learned and developed that over time through the process of trying to do everything and then realizing like, actually, this isn't making me happy. Yeah. (laughs) And it's a really, it takes a long time to verbalize and just stand in and own Cause you want to make everybody happy, and especially when you're grappling with like who you are. You're like, well, at least the least I can be is like someone that I can make everybody happy. Everything, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't know who I am, I'll just be all of it. Everything. Yes. Um. Totally. Okay. So I definitely don't want to um, skip when I was talking about when you said part of learning is trying different things. And so I'd love to hear about the different things on your journey that you oh learn. It might turn out to be like a blooper reel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in like some of them, I'm sure are comical, but like, um, yeah, just getting to know thyself and like the things you tried to do in the process. I mean, listen, I tried a lot of things. It was a very weird time. Uh, but I, I would say some of, some of the highlights, if you will, um, I was really into flat ironing my bangs. Um, and I will say like, not a look for me, probably not a look for most people, but it was a look of the time. Yep. So it was like very much in vogue now, not cute. Like, like just not cute. Where was the rest of your hair? Was it long? Oh gosh, I I had like the um, Kate Goslin thing going on. Okay, it was, yeah, I listen. The let me see your manager <laughs> hair. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, let me speak to your manager hair. Let me tell you, I was trying things, and you know, failing at some of them, um, or just like not doing great. Um, 
I think more recently, like, and this is, I think, a little bit, well, it's, I'll call it more tame, but, like, I'm, I saw Jonathan Van Ness as, like, a, a spokesperson for SE nail polish, and I was like, I could paint my nails. Like, why am I not painting my nails? Like, what a cool way to accessorize your everyday outfits. And so, like, I fell deep into painting my nails. And, like, I love it. It's fun. It's a I saw the rainbow color look. Thanks. Yep. Um, loved it. That was inspired by him. Um, but, you know, I, I, I continue to just, like, try these things and explore and experiment. And um, I think, again, more recently, I'm trying to... I want to wear heels again. Like, there, there's something about, like guys like if you haven't put on a pair of heels like number one you should try it because you'll have so much more respect for women who walk around in high heels every single day and you can actually criticize when super bowl performers are not wearing heels looking at you shakira um throwing the shade i'm just saying like there's you know there's beyonce and then there's nothing else (laughs) Drink! <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, they should have just stopped the halftime performances after that. Um, <laughs> right. They just never had one ever again. It's yeah, like, could you it's, They just replay the Beyonce one. Yeah, they're like, let's throw this back up. I would watch. <laughs> yes. I would watch. Um, timeless. But all of that to say, like, I, I, I explored and experimented with a lot of things. Some of the, like, more tragic ones, um, eyeliner. I, I definitely had an eyeliner phase. I think at the same time as I had the flat ironed bangs phase, um, I definitely had an argyle phase. Like there was a period of time where I was like, oh my God, argyle is the best thing ever. (laughs) And like, I would just like, if I like saw an argyle something, like I would buy it. No joke, bought a children's like extra large gap argyle vest, like, and wore it, like wore it. Um, I had periods in my life where like, I was really into the color red. Everything I owned was red. I had red cargo pants. I had red shirts. I had red backpack. Red head to toe. I mean, basically you're telling me that you are like an artist. Like Van Gogh, he had like a blue period. I mean, but like a way more successful blue period. Uh, I mean, like that's up for for debate. (laughs) Like I'm not going to like rain on your parade. I'm really... Um, yeah, I think that the Argyle um, period is like the same as Van Gogh's. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm samesies. A, I'm a trend watcher, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about the yeah. Argyle. Definitely not a trend starter, but I watch. Yes, watch and learn. Yeah. Jonathan Van Ness, if you're listening to this, hit yeah. me up. You know, I actually, he was scheduled to be on tonight, but I bumped him for uh. you. So... So. I knew the setup was too nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess Justin can have this. <laughs> um, so I guess I just cannot let you talk about trying things without talking about um, dressing and drag. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, obviously, it's going to be very fun to talk about. But I think through the lens of um, you did it very young. And at that point, you weren't fully um like accepting of who you were but you're like but I'm definitely gonna dress in drag and so I would love to hear I'd love to hear about the picnic that you shared yeah um and and then like what was kind of going on in your mind when when that's what you did yeah so uh 
I don't even remember how I got into drag, but it was definitely a Starbucks coworker, Sammy Joe. Love him. He actually still works at the same Starbucks location. I just saw him recently and like he's an amazing, amazing, amazing human being. Um, but so I I started he introduced me to this, you know, performer and I got invited to do this show and I was like, okay, cool, that'll be fun. Of course I perform Beyonce. Uh, get me bodied. Um, <laughs> one of her best. Not my favorite, but one of her best. Um, and just had so much fun. I mentioned earlier that I was a theater major in college and an actor through my life. And, um, you know, acting actually helped me play a lot of different characters and explore lots of different parts of the human psyche and in a lot of, you know, weird ways to talk about acting as this like insane self-discovery thing. Um, but so drag was this opportunity to express myself in a whole other way where I wasn't, I was no longer Justin. Um, I was now Tyra Cox. Um, I did not know this one. Yeah, that that was my name. Oh my gosh. Little Miss Tyra Cox. Um, (laughs) It was a lot of fun. Um, But you know, you, you put on the uh, wigs and the lashes and the you know fishnets and um i i never tucked because i never learned how and this is probably why i am not a famous queen today (laughs) Uh, but like you you do all of this stuff and you get into this character and even the act of like stepping out of my house to like go into the cab because like we didn't have these apps in those days uh, and, and you get into a cab and like you, you know, you're in San Francisco, but you still got to get into the cab. Like, you know what you're doing and you have, like, you are this person, um, and you're going to this place and like, you mean something. And it was this incredible way to just explore and experiment and like do weird stuff. And, you know, you, I would have a whole other sense of confidence where like the music would hit and, suddenly I I was 100% not myself. I was someone completely different. Um, And like, I'm going to say the the audience or the crowds, but like it was, you know, my five friends and some drunk person who's passed out in the back of the end up um, (laughs) are like there and people are having fun. and, And I just remember seeing like the smiles on people's faces and just like how much fun people were having in those moments and realizing like, I can touch people in a different way where like I'm, I'm bringing joy to them through this character and through this persona. And it, it really, um, helped boost that confidence in, in who I was. Um, so when I graduated college, uh, smooth segue here, I, um, Not bad. <laughs> yeah, at this point I was completely out to my family um, I, I think that even at this point, like everyone was on Facebook. And so like, they all saw the pictures, like that, you know, there, there was no hiding it. Miss Sasha Fierce. Yes. Um, and I told my mom, I want my graduation party theme to be disco. Um, and they rented out the Arboretum in Central Park of Santa Clara, um, which again is like in the South Bay and, you know, it's not necessarily San Francisco, but like, you know, it is kind of, I guess, close. And I said, I'm going to dress up as Donna Summer. So, um, and like, listen, if you see pictures of this, like we're going for like a loose Donna Summer look. Like, Like, okay, just like. Lady (laughs) wig and bell bottoms. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm not even sure if I was wearing bell bottoms. Whatever. You know, I like. In your head, in your heart. (laughs) I was Donna Summer. 
Um, and I, again, I think that like in that moment, I showed up in Santa Clara, checked into the hotel, got into drag, got out of the hotel, got the car, drove to Central Park, stepped out of the car in the middle of, you know, this little Central Park, walked past the kids' playground and, like, all of these, like, moms are looking and the kids are like, what is happening? Um, And I just, like, march my way to the Arboretum and my family is there and everyone is greeting me and everyone is excited and, like, uh, you know, we have a great time. I end up per- doing a performance and my family is like sitting there watching and recording and hooting and hollering and like other people from the park, just like randos start walking over and being like, what is happening? Um, and, and just like having so much fun in that moment. Um, and especially looking back on it now, realizing like, how much that actually means for a queer kid to have that level of support where like, my grandparents are there. Uh, my aunts and uncles are there. My, I'm Latino again, so it's like my first, second, third, fourth, and fifth cousins are there. <laughs> um, and you know, like everyone is there, and they're all celebrating me and and you know cheering and all of this stuff. And yeah, it was an incredible day. Yeah, and I, you've said it like, you are so blessed to have so many people that support you, and. Um, yeah, it, it's just really wonderful to hear like the journey and also just the the players in it that have helped support and love you. And I, I'm sure there are people out there that don't have quite the same support. Um, I guess this is like kind of on the spot, but like, what would you say to them? I mean, it's <clears throat> what I would say to someone who maybe doesn't feel like they have the support of their family or who actually knows definitively that they don't um is is really tough because everyone has different circumstances some people need the support of their family financially they they simply can't get out of a situation um you know again i'm really fortunate to have grown up in the san francisco bay area and and in this part of the world and and i'm not blind to that by any means but What I would say is um, if you're in a situation where you need the support to get out of a bad situation, I think there are so many resources out there, so many organizations out there that help, you know, queer kids and young kids get out of these situations and into better ones. And, And I think at the end of the day, I mean, it's tough because it's it's easy for me to, I think, say, fuck them. Mm-hmm. You don't need them. Right. You know, like you don't you don't need someone who's not going to celebrate and love your full authentic self. But I'm fortunate enough to have a family that does, um, even if sometimes they don't completely understand it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, even even if they have questions that I'm like, oh, OK, we'll have this conversation. Um, I'm still really fortunate that like I can be my full authentic self with my family and friends and work as well. Um, but I think as much as you can, uh, I think it's a Jinx Monsoon quote. Uh, if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, I do. Water off a duck's back. Like, you know, you, you, um, we, we have a lot of shit to get through in this life. I think everyone does in their own way. Um, and as much as you can let it roll off your back and just 
move forward and look in the mirror and tell yourself like, I am fierce. I am fabulous. I will get through this. Like know that you have an entire community of people that are standing behind you every single day, trying to make this world a better place, a more accepting place, a more welcoming place. Um, and it may not feel like that at times, but like find the people who help you get there. Right. Um, and find, find, find your chosen family, I guess. Yeah. I, that's, that's amazing. Cause that's where my mind was also going was like, there's a huge possibility that the, the family support that you are looking for is in a different type of family, which is yeah. a one that you're not related to, but totally gets it and gets where you are coming from and where you're going. I think that's great. Yeah. I think um, one thing on the subject as well of like family's not always getting it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I I remember performing in drag in front of my family um, and having this incredible moment. And, you know, we did the cake celebration and all this stuff. And then later I found out that one of my aunts was asking like another one if they thought that I wanted to become a woman. And my aunt was like, no, I think like he just does drag and you know, like it's this whole other thing. And you know, he's happy as Justin. Um, and at the time I remember hearing that and just kind of being like, well, like that's a really weird question. And like now flash forward to today where I'm like, oh, well I can look back on that and say confidently, I am happy as a man, you know, the the performer side of me is where I was exploring drag and having fun with drag and like I would still to this day have fun with drag um I just you know enjoy having a beard and not spending hours of time doing makeup and (laughs) shaving my legs oh my god shaving my legs I used to shave my legs I nair I had so many acid burns I was not great (laughs) at it um on the subject of things that I tried and failed at um yeah, that was not that was not a cute period of time, um, but y- you know I I, I, I re- still avoid shaving my legs, so I, you know makes two of us. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, yeah. It's it's one of those things where it's like your family's gonna fuck up. Um, none of us are perfect, and uh, I'm sure people listening to this podcast are like, Justin, you're ridiculous. Like you did this whole other thing, um, but like none of us are perfect and we're all just trying our best. And I think as much as you can just remember, like your family may not get it and they may never get it, but as long as they try, then like the best thing we can do is help them. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Yeah. I don't even know what to add to that. <laughs> it, it's, it's really great. And I, I, I when I, and when I hear you say help them, I think it's like to a degree, um, whatever degree is comfortable with people is like be patient with them and like let them learn on their path as you are learning on yours. 100%. I, I feel like it, would, um, it wouldn't be fair for me to not talk about my dad and my relationship today, um, which is like, again, it's do we talk to each other every day? Like I hear other people talk to their parents every day or every other day. Like, no, we, we don't. Um, but we text and and we keep in touch and he likes my stuff on Instagram and, uh, Mm. he's learned how to like do the emoji reactions on Instagram. Um, and so like he responds to my stories and he, he and I engage with each other in the best way that we possibly can. Um, 
you know, he's come up to the city and he's had breakfast with my partner and, you know, my partner has gone down for Thanksgiving and um, he asks about him and, and like we, we genuinely have gotten to a place where I think we are both, we, we feel a lot more resolved um, in our relationship. And, and I think a big part of that goes to the point of saying, um, I guess I should share this. When I came out to my dad, uh, I told him I was gay and his response was, um, okay, I don't have anything to say to you about it. So don't talk to me about it. And I said, okay, well, we can talk when you have something to say. Um, and then, you know, obviously years of therapy and different conversations and blah, 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 blah. Fast forward to like, now we're at a point where I wasn't always patient, but I helped try to guide him along the way. And at the same time, there were things where like, there were times where I was in relationships and I wouldn't bring it up with him uh, because I didn't know how he was going to react. And similar to coming out, I, you know, when I started dating Patrick, I just said, I have a boyfriend, we're moving in together. Like, and I, I started proactively sharing these milestones with him and he became more comfortable because of it, because Mm -hmm. I didn't make it weird. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think I do that a lot where I just assume I'm going to create some sort of discomfort. So I like instantly start like turning into a weird robot and I'm like, oh, and actually like when you have the strength to, um, to guide the conversation, they're like, Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to follow that, that I I see that strength and I want to be that. And so I'm going to do that. It's like really counterintuitive because you just assume that like confrontation will happen or, um, someone will be uncomfortable, but quite often it's, you're being a leader Yeah. and you're showing them that like, this is actually how we're going to play. Yeah. Um, Masterclass in leadership. <laughs> yes. Well, and I wanted to close with that. And it's actually, in my humble opinion, not the most important thing to talk about work because like the whole thing is just like how we build our lives and embed our um, uh, happiness in in so many areas. But I, I, you had mentioned that um, some of the work, a lot of the work that you've done on being your authentic self and learning these parts of you does show up at work and you are a leader, um, both as a human, but also as a people manager. (laughs) And, um, and so I'd love for you to just share about, you know, how, how being your authentic self is so important to you in your, um, in your role as, as a leader. Yeah. You know, when I when I first started in my in my professional career, I remember um, a really tough conversation with a lead uh, where my sexuality was brought into the conversation, and that made for a very awkward experience um, in a multitude of different ways. Um, and you know, I I grew through that process as well. But I remember walking out of it, and the biggest takeaway I had was I never again wanted someone to say Justin is great at his job and did you know he's gay or Justin is a great leader and did you know he's Latino like these are things that I I never wanted someone to associate with myself and so I I really actually started to dissociate myself from those things in the professional environment to the point where when I was going into my next role I was like 
I'm just going to be Justin, the worker bee, and I'm going to do the things and not bring my personality into it. And I, I quickly realized that like, there's no way that you can enter work without bringing your full authentic self into the environment. Of course, that doesn't mean that like, you should go around saying like really inappropriate things if that is your authentic self and there, <laughs> there's still like decorum that you should have. Um, but on some level, I, I think what I started to realize, especially in the last few years, is that I do want people to look at me and say, Justin is a great lead um, and he's gay and he's Latino and, and Portuguese. And, you know, he has all of these other things that, that are associated with him. Um, he wears heels in the office or he'll paint his nails or he'll, you know, wear uh, some extravagant thing to the holiday party and like not care. Um, like, like these are actually things that I want people to identify with me because I want other people who are starting in their careers to be able to look up the, the ladder of an organization or, or look out into the sea of people within a company and say, Hey, that person's like me. Yeah. I can. And, and like they're doing it. And if this is who I am outside of work, like I should be able to bring that part of myself into this environment again in a way that is like appropriate and and, um, conducive to a productive work environment. Um, But making sure that like, yeah, that that little queer biracial kids like me can have someone a little bit higher up. Like, yeah, I'm not the CEO of a company. Um, but like someone at least, uh, who's getting their start can look up and say like, oh, okay, I can, I can paint my fingernails or I can wear heels or I can do any of these things. Um, and by the way, I'm really good at my job. Yeah. Yeah. Also, by the way, I, yeah, I, that's, that's fantastic. And I think by doing that, the impact is infinite. And like you said, like, they don't have to be exactly like you. They just have to know like, oh, I have something that I'm not showing and sharing and I want to. And it could be a completely different set of characteristics about that person. But seeing the like the bravery or the the confidence to to do that is just like such a like pay it forward. Yeah. Um I remember um, one of my like biggest confidence moments since I moved to San Francisco, which was my Beyonce performance. Hey, um, we've been pretty tame on the references, by the way. Oh yeah, Beyonce, 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 yeah. Beyonce. You're <laughs> drink, drunk, drink, 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 <laughs> and you passed out. Three tequila floor. Oh man. Um, yeah. So uh, this was a few years ago, and I. Um, learned the choreography to Beyonce's Crazy in Love. And I was there and I rarely wear heels and you betcha I was in heels. Also like 20 pounds heavier. So the heels were <laughs> really, <laughs> really struggling up there. Um, okay, it wasn't that crazy, but it felt like a lot. And I look at pictures, I'm like, girl, you've been working out. You slay. <laughs> and I slay. You slay. But... If anyone, and maybe I'll have to like attach it to the podcast, if anyone sees the video, they will hear the one and only <laughs> Justin Gonzalez screaming at the top yes, of your lungs. And I felt so, and we actually weren't as close at the time, but you were there and you saw me 
being brave and you uh you you recognized it and rewarded it by cheering and it i it i heard you and it it like made my feathers like fluff up and i i just think that's so important for people to do is like recognize that someone is is being brave and and being amazing and we can all do that and there's no like weird um they're doing it better or different or whatever it's just like yes i see you yeah do you remember to you um taught the choreography to the basically like katie did this impromptu we're going to teach everyone like the choreography to this song was it formation Um, yeah yeah and i was like okay like hell yeah i'm absolutely going to go to this thing i'm 100 percent going to slay the choreography (laughs) and i'm going to own the day um turns out not a choreography person okay like not for me not a thing i'm an improv girl Tried and true. And floor work is yeah. everything. <laughs> floor work is my expertise. <laughs> and basically, like, I I went to, like, a couple of hours of, of this rehearsal, and I one of them just went up to Katie and was like, listen, girl, I really love you. I support you, but I'm not a choreography person. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, amen, but I will never dance battle you because you will end up doing floor work and absolutely destroying me. Yeah. So that's a thing. I love the floor. She, she do. <laughs> <laughs> My knees can't handle it anymore. I know. We're getting a little Age. bit old. <laughs> um. Well, I have kept you a very long time and it's because I want to talk to you for hours because I find you so lovely. You're too sweet. Um, I know I'm, and I'm You're not really going to stop. Sweet. I know I'm not going to stop being that sweet because it's just been such a amazing, like journey learning about you. Um, and we have a lot more of that to do together. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much for coming to my home and drinking wine with me. What do you me. mean your home? This is like a really expensive studio. What do you, oh, it's like a podcast studio. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah. there are platinum records on the wall that I produced somewhere somewhere yep <laughs> yep they're right over there don't never mind don't look cool. <laughs> um but thank you for doing this and i cannot wait for everyone to hear it and uh the message is be your authentic self what else yeah i i, I think it's like oh gosh i blah, 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 blah. that's part of it yeah <laughs> shakira moment <laughs> <laughs> um People are going to know, like, when you recorded this podcast. Yes. Um, I would say being your authentic self does not make you selfish. Um, doing the things that you want to do, the things that are going to make you happiest, spending time with the people that matter to you does not make you a selfish person. It means that you know who you are and you are connected to that. Now, that said... There are times where you do need to suck it up and you have to go to the engagement party <laughs> or you have to go to the baby shower or you have to go to your friend's comedy show, um, even if you don't want to. And you you have to show up for people because they're showing up for you every single day, 10 times a day. And, you know, the yeah, we, we just need people in our lives. Um, 
unfortunately, like, fuck, it'd be amazing if I could just have my plants and have my, you know, my plants on my fan. My plants. <laughs> yeah, but those assholes aren't going to listen to a podcast. No, and we need listeners, baby. Yeah, we need money. We need money. Oh, yeah, I'm not sponsored yet. Oh, yeah. We'll work on that. Um, I guess that was a digression. But to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to say it succinctly so that you could cut the rest of that shit out not and put anything. it in a podcast. <laughs> Be your authentic self, live your best life, and like do the things that are going to make you happy. Because at the end of the day, if you are happy and if you're doing the things that you want to be doing, everything else is going to is gonna follow suit. Um, and just don't forget that your friends are money. They really are. And I know your friends. I'm one of them. But like I know a lot of your other friends, and they really are money. Yeah. It's they're... a great group. <laughs> it's a wild bunch. I know. They're all going to listen to this. Yeah, we'll um, get two listeners. Uh, yep. No, you have more. Like, yeah. like four. Something like that. Yep. Okay, uh, Beyonce. I just yeah. wanted... Last one. We're, we're drunk and yeah. in love. You're Separately. Drunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank you, Katie. You're Beyonce. You are Beyonce. Thank you. Thank you.